right, welcome back to the Inadvertent Whistle podcast. It's uh, it's been quite an interesting year since we were last on with you, and we want to be able to to talk about that. But I want to first introduce my co-host Adam Brick, who is back for year three, year four. Who knows what it is? Um, we're happy to have our four or five listeners. As a matter of fact, one of our listeners and one of our uh, our good friends. Little Yeti is going to be joining us today and helping us with the podcast. He's going to also navigate our mailbag. And so, Adam, I'm going to start with you. It's been a year since we've uh, been on. Obviously, a lot's changed with what we've been dealing with with COVID. So I want to just open up with your your thoughts on what we've been dealing with. Well, first thing, thanks, Scott. I want to say is happy holidays and happy new year to everybody. And the reason why it took us this long to get back uh, to a podcast is because our producer had a little difficulty trying to figure out how to, how to tape this stuff um, virtually. Um, so once Scott couldn't figure it out, we had Oreo figure it out. So we're, we're back. Um, it's great to be back uh, with all of you, with all three or four of you. Um, it has been an interesting year. Um, I actually worked my first game last night of the season, which was my first time on the court since March, which for me isn't quite actually isn't unusual in a, in a normal year. Um, but yeah, COVID's been, it's been interesting as we started the season. Um, our association, Cardinal Basketball Officials Association, has been working extremely close with three of our major counties that, that we service, Arlington, Loudoun, and Fairfax. And the area uh, supervisors of athletics have been terrific for us to work with. Very cooperative. We're all trying to do the same thing to achieve the same goal, which is provide an opportunity for the kids to play basketball again. And so far, you know, knock wood, those of you who can't see me, I'm hitting my head, knocking the table. Uh, things are going fairly well. And so it's, you know, you, you, I'm sure you guys and Little Yeti, you can add to it. You, you had your day-night doubleheader yesterday. Um, hopefully, in between games, you didn't do a dog and a beer, just a dog. Um, but uh, it has been interesting, and I think it will continue to get interesting. Uh, yeah, thanks, Adam. I, I guess the uh, the one uh, good thing for COVID from a coach's perspective is that we can't do uh, between game beers because there's really no go, no place to go and enjoy that. So uh, just had a uh, in between game of hot dog and uh, was able to uh, take care of the the night game just as well. So yeah, it was. Uh, I guess maybe that's one of the benefits of COVID. So guys, obviously this year is is something that we've never expected. There's a lot of different things happening with COVID and, you know, the, the way that we're officiating. Some guys are out there with masks. Some guys are out there with electronic whistles. I think, Adam, you tried that last night. So I just, what are you guys doing and what are you guys seeing from officials out there that are out there officiating during these times? Yeah, I did try the electronic whistle last night. Actually, it was, it was quite interesting. Um, you know, in a fairly empty gym other than, players and officials I think it's perfectly loud enough it's just odd to have to press a button as opposed to blowing a whistle I was wearing a gator and the team I had last night one of them put up over 100 points so I was up and down the court so there were times where I pulled the gator down just because it was hot um, but I w- would also find myself at times trying to blow a whistle that I did not have in my mouth and so the the I pressed the electronic whistle a little bit late and one time I pressed it when I shouldn't have because I just pressed the button. Um, so, the, yeah, that's a little strange. Um, I had it tied around my wrist. Got a lanyard. I didn't think I would want to wear that thing around my neck. Um, so my favorite part is got <clears throat> mine has a little light at the end, flashlight at the end of it that I can turn on. So I can just 
point at coaches and, and wave them back to the bench with my light. So that was kind of fun. Um, you know, every once in a while, shine it in the free throw shooter's eye uh, while he's shooting just to make sure we get, we don't get to overtime or something like that. But that wasn't a concern last night, trust me. Um, Wait, so I got, I got a question for you, Adam. You, you said you yeah. wore the gator while you were refereeing. I did for the, for quite a bit of time. I did. Um, you notice a difference when you were, when you were running, but obviously besides the heat, but from a, a being able to breathe. No, not really so much being able to breathe. My biggest problem was I chew gum when I referee. And so trying to chew gum underneath the gator, it took me a while to get used to that. And so I probably missed three, four, five, six calls. Just ask one of the coaches. He'll tell you I missed way more than that. Um, and so, I, you know, I got used to it. It just was, it was just hot, quite honestly, running up and down the floor. So I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I might switch to a mask. Um, and just keep trying out different things till I find something I like. To me, that wasn't the big thing. I mean, I don't know, Jerry, what you've seen in terms of an experience in terms of masks and, you know, um, gators and whistles I, I haven't seen i've seen uh i had someone working in front of me with um electronic whistle and, and i don't know if there's a, a volume issue that his wasn't as loud uh, d- didn't it was difficult to pick up but um you know i think uh probably taking on to the masks um the one thing that i've had a couple of requests from kids is um uh, you know they, they want to tie their shoes up when they're uh inbounding the ball and, and i think they're just trying to be a little cognizant of the fact that they're tying their shoe for the fact that they can just pull their mask down for a second and get some air because you know you get some of these kids that are playing you know pretty hard pretty fast pace and um you know at the end of the day you know we understand the the, the, the protocols that are in place and, and why they're in place but you know it's tough on the kids and um you know it, it's it there's a little bit of understanding and I think they actually have been a couple of them have been appreciative of the fact that, um, you know, we're, we're taking our time and getting in subs and things like that. And they're being, have a chance to pull their mask away from their mouth so they can get some air. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the things I've talked about with coaches in pregames too, is that um, a lot of them are recognizing that they're subbing more and we're trying, you know, because of how they're spread out, we're kind of, the games are slowing down a little bit, but it's also giving the kids a chance who are staying in the game to grab uh, grab some breath. Right. So for those of you who are outside of Northern Virginia, where we are, um, our kids here in Northern Virginia are wearing have to wear some form of some form of a face covering while they're actively engaged in playing the game. And so you know we've worked again. We've worked with the counties to where we as officials are not the mask police and the coaches and the administrators there at the game are doing a fantastic job of making sure the kids wear them properly. Um, as well as one of the other rule changes that Virginia put into place was there's no jump ball to start the game, um, which is really an insignificant change. We just give the ball to the visitor and we use the arrow from there. And then Unless they elect to defer, right, Adam? You, you right. Can... Last night we didn't have a deferment. We had uh, we had one team elect to receive, and I gave the kickoff signal. And um, but they could they can defer to overtime if they choose to. No, we we would do a coin flip it for overtime with the visitors selecting the uh, heads or tails, or in my case, it'll be rock paper scissors because I'm never going to remember to bring a coin. I'm just, I don't know. I think I might go best two out of three for rock paper scissors. I don't know what you guys think. Um, I just feel like when you do rock, paper, scissors, just a one-off is, is it's, that's not good. You got to go two out of three or three out of five. Yeah, I was just going to put my hands behind my back and guess the number and whoever guessed the number first, the number of fingers I had wins. 
Yeah, you can do that. I mean, that's that's perfectly fine. Or you just give it to you just give it to the coach who's less of an asshole. I mean, I'm fine with that too. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the so, other thing, you know, so the other, as I say, the other thing that I that I, that I saw, which I partic- which I did, in in, in, in talking to others, uh, I'm not alone. Is uh, you know, to Adam's point of you know, you, you, we're starting the game and we're supposed to walk around when we're not actively officiating with a with a gator or a mask over our mouth and in uh, the start of a period yesterday, uh, there was a quick reversal and the kid went to make a move and he stepped out of bounds. And when I went to blow the, wh- blow the whistle, I had my gator over my mouth and I didn't have a whistle in my mouth. Um, and so when I pulled my gator down and yelled, you know, that it was out of bounds, uh, the coach properly said that, you know, I hadn't blown my whistle. So I wa- he, he wanted to know if that was still in it was a violation because I didn't blow my whistle. You could use the old Bernie Myers uh, trick, which was he had that happen years ago and when he finally blew his whistle he said about an hour ago i had him out of bounds over there which is perfectly fine (laughs) um there's nothing wrong with that um the other nice thing about the gators is and and you all can't see me because we're not advanced enough to be like the nova hoops cast where we're actually doing video we just do audio but with the gator when a coach is when a coach is um talking too much, I can just pull the, the sides up over my ears and send that message. Like, I don't want to listen to you anymore. So I, I do like that visual with the Gator. And there's um, definitely some coaches that we could do that for. So let me ask you guys this. We, Adam, we, you, you touched on some of the things that we're doing differently here. One of the big differences is, especially for our varsity games, we normally work three-person uh, crews. And this year, because of, you know, the, the situation we're in and officials opting out, uh, for many different reasons, um, we have uh, gone to two person for the regular season. We'll go back to three person for for the uh, for the playoffs. But one of the things that I always remembered was if, if I went from three person to two person, and then uh, a ball went out of bounds on my sideline as the lead, I never had it. And I and I know that that's a big issue. But what what have you guys encountered so far in going uh, back to two person? I'm tired. <laughs> well, you also had you also had Lake Braddock, which for those that are not from this area, they play that Grinnell style of offense where they they get a shot up within every ten seconds. They sub five in, five out, and it's a very fast paced type of game. So, um, yeah. By the way, welcome back to officiating. You get Lake Braddock. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. So I did tell my partner last night, and yes, I know it, it's going to come as a shock, but we did have a little bit of a pregame before we went out. Um, that when the ball goes out of my sideline at the lead, be ready to get it from across the court because there's a good chance I'm not going to see it. Um, <coughs> because Not because I'm going to miss it, just because I'm not going to be looking there. Um, but no, we didn't have those issues last night. I mean, I think the biggest thing um, is just getting used to um, in, back to, to, to two-person officiating is the coverage of the paint where there's just so much stuff going on in a, in a small area. Um, and who's got what that, that center look um, both at the free throw line and, you know, down to the old kind of like dotted circle and up to the top of the key and then drives from that side of the, from the court. I think those are, that's what we're going to mess um, are those things. And so I just think is the, even more so is the lead working wider Um and getting that real good look at a lot of different things. Um, and then I think the toughest thing is going to be transition, not necessarily on breaks, but in, in the pressing situations. 
um, that, that court coverage. I think those are going to be the toughest things for, for us to adjust to. Um, and I want to, I want to give, uh, recognition to, to, to one of my mentors in high school basketball officiating, and that's Gene Harrison. Uh, I know Gene's not listening because I'm sure he doesn't know what a podcast is. Um, but you know, in the, I think there's, isn't there some kind of officials manual that we're supposed to look at? That's what Mike Preston tells me. Okay. So I think there's some diagram of the, the primary, uh, court coverage in, in two person officiating with a line that, that, that goes from like the, the free throw lane line and free throw line to the baseline in the corner. Um, and that line doesn't exist on the court. So what Gene Harrison, uh, taught me and I still use today it's called and I call affectionately call it the Gene Harrison box theory is if I'm the lead opposite the benches that you, you look for three boxes the the box two is the paint you know from the baseline up to the free throw line and the two lane lines the uh, box one is the uh, free throw line extended to the to the sideline in front of the lead and box three is the free throw line extended you know, down to the baseline in front of the trail. And so the leads got box one, the trails got box three, and we both got box two. Because there are going to be things in the paint that I can't see as the lead that Jerry, you can see as the trail and vice versa. It's just going to be the way it is. You know, so and I'm talking about a half court set. Um, so to me, that's the biggest adjustment. Um, other than the fact that I'm just really tired. You know, one of the big things that I remember learning when I when I first started refereeing, and Adam, you remember this, Jerry, you might have come in. Well, you did two person as a non varsity official, but we used to do two person for varsity games way back in the day. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, we actually got a lesson on how to referee trail um, from Scott Foster, who was in the CBA, just graduating to the NBA at the time. And they did two person for professional ball back then. And he was teaching us about the importance of having an aggressive trail and how the trail um, really needs to referee the backside, referee the rebounding, referee crashes off after the pass. And the more aggressive a trail is, the better your game is. And it's something that we still see and still use um, with our teaching today, even in the three person, we talk about front foot officiating. And I think it's more prevalent now than ever. So what, but what ends up happening is these in these two-person games, a lot of the officials are bailing out because there's only two. There's nobody to protect their their butts on the backside now. And so they're either refereeing way too deep or they're refereeing, um, you know, getting ready to, to run. And, you know, I get it. On a 94-foot court, the chances of getting beat are going to be very, very easy. So, Jerry, what about you? Little Yeti, can we hear from you, please? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you hit on the, the two biggest things I've seen. I, I think, um, you know, the, the as trail um, there, the the level of being active is, is is really incumbent on you to really, you know, move with the play and, and get 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 more of the positioning to help out with with the lead. And, um, you know, I, I've seen in a couple of my games where and we've talked about it in pregame and in, in like Adam, you know, I think my my partners have been a little surprised that the length of my pregame has gone from about 20 seconds now up to almost a full minute, um, you know, is that, um, you know, you, uh, you're going to get beat up court and especially in some of, you know, these, these teams that like to transition and you, as the trail, you're just going to have to get to the best position you can to get an angle on the drive to the basket. And the ones that are the toughest ones to get is when, you know, if you're, you know, opposite the table and, and the, the transition is going on table side and there's a play to the basket and it's somewhat contested, 
you know, you're, you're going to have a tougher time getting a look at that play. Um, you know, similarly, you know, on uh, a turnover and, you know, transition and contested play at midcourt where trail is heading up court and trying to run with also looking back and, um, you know, uh, you know, in lead coming up court, those are the, those are the plays um, that are, that are the toughest to get right now. And, um, you know, I, I guess I, you know, I haven't used this line yet, but I mean, I'm just thinking about it is, you know, we can always tell the coach that the C would have had that, but, you know, so we're just going to keep playing without it. I think that's perfectly appropriate, Jerry. I mean, I remember the last, I mean, the last time I consistently worked uh, two person officiating in that fast break, you're talking about where you're coming down, maybe opposite as the new lead and the, and the drives, I'm sorry, you're coming down opposite and the, and the drives coming down uh, from the other side, you know, you could almost, I would cut the corner to get there to see it from an outside in look. Now that ain't happening anymore. Um, I'm not getting that outside in look uh, on the other side of the court anymore. And so we got to adjust. Um, and I think that's, you know, one of the things when you've been doing it for as long as the three of us have been doing it, you, you learn how to get better angles um, than maybe you otherwise would have before. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you call what you see. And if you don't see it, don't guess that's the, you know, um, that's the best advice I can give is, you know, anticipate the play. Nothing changes. Anticipate the play, see the whole play, and then make a decision. Um, did somebody gain an advantage or somebody put it at a disadvantage? Or if I don't put air in a whistle, is this going to lead to rough play? Nothing mm -hmm. in that regard has changed for me. Um, now, people will disagree with me on what I think is advantage and disadvantage. Um, that, 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 Jerry, you, although, Jerry, you and I pretty much agree on that stuff. Um, <laughs> right? Um, so, <laughs> You know, I, it's going to be interesting. I think the the coaches from everything I've seen so far and everything I've heard, you know, uh, understand that this isn't easy for us. Um, I mean, Scott, you alluded to it, us going from three to two. I mean, we, we have about 370 or so officials in our association, and we're probably operating at about 60% capacity right now uh, in terms of our officials who are officiating this year which prompted us to, to work with the schools and the, and the three counties, the four counties actually, or so that we service maybe five, whatever the total is that, you know, we're just going to do two person for all varsity contests. I mean, obviously non-varsity, but so we can have some consistency uh, across the board. Um, I will say one of the oddest things I've seen was uh, an official wearing what appeared to look like a jock strap over his face with a shield. Um, so that was kind of humorous. Um, and, uh, so I think we're going to continue to see interesting things. Um, you know, it's funny, you, you see coaches who, when they need to talk, they take their masks down or any, you know, other people too. And it's like, you know, that's what the mask was made for. It was made so that when you talk, it covers your face. Um, so, but by and large, I think it's, it's gone, it's gone well so far. Now, if you're the assigner, I'm not sure things have gone well, uh, because that's a challenge in and of itself. Um, so kudos to Doug DeVault, who is our scholastic assigner here in, in Cardinal. Um, he's doing a great job, and um, I'm sure he's going to have tip back a few bourbons tonight as the clock strikes 12. You know, Adam, so, to, your, to, your, to your point on the, uh, on the oddest things, I mean, I do think that some of the coaches that I've, I've worked um, have adopted the uh, John Gruden view of um, having the, 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 the face mask uh, down around their chin. So they are adhering to the rules that it's on it's just you no know, not maybe particularly covering the areas that that we we would not want them to have 
So this is probably a good good place to stop because I I also saw the jockstrap type mask and I, I would just tell our officials if you're going to wear something, just make sure that maybe you get somebody to look at you before you go uh, out on the court with that. Um, it's a, a different world, but I, I would also say that there's a, a whole new appreciation from our varsity officials that haven't worked two person in a long time for our non varsity officials that, that go out and work two person, especially on some of these big courts. <clears throat> we have a lot of 94 foot courts here in Northern Virginia. They're, they're trying to emulate college size courts. And it's, it's very uh, challenging for our officials just from a physical standpoint. Now you add a mask and it's just a whole different world, but I want to transition. Um, and, and first I want to congratulate one of our good friends, uh, Steve Gordon, uh, Steve and Pam Gordon just became grandparents. Again, they have a grandson uh, that was born on the 29th, which also happens to be the anniversary of his, his dad's birthday. His dad would have been 100 years old. So it's a pretty cool uh, day uh, for Steve and Pam and the family. And uh, Steve was going to join us today and talk about the camp. Uh, and, and we have dates I'm going to share in a minute, but I wanted to just uh, congratulate him and Pam and the family. So um, Adam? Looks like you want to say something. Yeah, congratulations to, to Steve and Pam. And is this where I'm supposed to ask you what camp so that you can promote the hell out of it? Yes, I need to promote this camp. So can you ask okay. me again? Yeah, wait, what, what's this camp you speak of? Thank you, Adam, for asking. Um, we have been doing this uh, Steve Gordon basketball officials camp for the last five years. This will be um, our fifth year coming up at Randolph-Macon down in the Ashland, uh, Virginia area, which is just outside Richmond. We do have dates set up for June uh, session one is June 25th through 27th, and session two is July 19th through 21st. You can go on to the website, sgboc.com, and you can register. Uh, that should be set up, if not by this weekend, it should be set up relatively soon. Um, what I would just say to people is don't worry about paying now. We, we'll worry about that later. We just, you know, we want to get registration in so we can have the people uh, listed. So, um but, uh, and I'll, I'll plug this again later, but I just want to make sure that uh, we got information about Steve having his grandson in the camp uh, is a, a go as of right now. And obviously things can change, but, but that's where we're at. <clears throat> Adam, I have a question for you regarding um, just some of the pet peeves that, that we have. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with one. I, I want to get one of your pet peeves. I want to hear from little Yeti too. I've, um, I've noticed that we've had to do a lot of things differently this year. And one of the things um, that ends up being a sacrificial lamb of this is that we forget to implement some of the rules that we still have to put in play. I, I by no means am not, I am not a stickler for uniforms. Never have been, never will. Not, I don't, the, the tuck in the shirt, the rolling of the band, the shorts and all that, you know, we don't have to worry about that part anymore. But the one thing that is always when I whenever I see it, I automatically think AAU or rec ball, and that's if somebody had different colored undershirt on their on their uniform. So if you have a blue jersey, but they have a white undershirt, and they're playing against a white team, and then they have a black undershirt, it just it just doesn't give the appearance of what a high school basketball game. It, it looks like AAU. It looks like rec ball, and so I just like to, to ask our officials just implement this. It's not that hard. Um, you know, I, I think there's other rules that, you know, obviously we, we have to change the way we do things, but that's not one of them. So we should keep, we should be a stickler for that piece of it. So I know, Adam, you probably don't agree because um, you don't really care about the uniforms either, but that's just the one piece that I 
I really had a, a problem with. So your response? I just got a text actually from Dickie V who agrees with you, which is shocking. But yes, he agrees with you. That actually, that actually is shocking, but that's good. What about you? you got any pet peeves that, that are on your mind? Um, I have one, but it's, I mean, it's, it's one that's consistent for me, um, but I think it's magnified in, in two-person officiating. Um, when the trail during free throws is not watching the players in the backcourt, and in particular, I've seen it already during a technical foul where we have the lead administrator in the free throw, the, the nine players in the backcourt, and that trail is there to make sure that that free throw shooter doesn't touch the line with his toe. <laughs> um, and, and we're not observing the nine players in the backcourt. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure there's anything that drives me more crazy than that, because that is about game management and making sure stupid shit doesn't happen on the other end of the court. Um, so, you know, go stand at the division line and watch the kids uh, during technicals or even during free throws. If you've got, and it's harder now in a, in a, in a two person versus a three person, because, as the trail, you actually do have some significant responsibilities at the free throw um, lane, but you also have responsibilities for players in the backcourt, particularly when it's players from uh, opposite teams in the backcourt. So you're going to have to position yourself in such a way that your one eye can see down the other end of the court and one eye can see uh, during the free throw. So, but but pay attention to those players in the backcourt. Little Yeti, I'm sure that you probably could jump in with this. This is something that we've done every year, but what do you got? Um, I, my, my pet peeve is probably, uh, you know, something that I know you've talked about in the past, but um, is when, uh, you know, uh, no longer uh, the uh, people in attendance, but coaches complaining when a player goes up and makes a legitimate try to, to uh, block a shot and slaps the backboard. You know, we, we, we've talked about this. We'd love to get that rule modified where, um, it's, you know, not just, not just technical foul, but maybe we have an opportunity to call basket interference. Um, I I've had, it, that seems to be the most popular play I've had this year in, in the, in the games that I've worked and had had multiple instances in, in the games and, you know, uh, they, the coaches act as if they've never seen it before or, 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 you know, not sure why we're not calling a technical foul, but, um, you know, the, the rule is, is pretty straightforward. Um, I think a pet peeve of mine is the fact that, you know, we, 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 we put in rules about t-shirts and undershirts and, you know, I'm presuming socks will be coming in next year. Um, but you know what, we should address some of the basketball stuff and, and get, get that, get that changed. And I know that you've, uh, you know, led that charge. So that's, that's my pet peeve. Well, I appreciate my, my pet peeve on top of that would be Scott's got to lead that charge better. Um, because it's just, it's a simple rule change. I mean, it, it, it really makes so much sense that I, it, it, it almost makes too much sense. Um, and I don't know why the rules committee can't figure that out, but Scott, I, I, I've submitted it. I've submitted it and it's been a finalist, you know, three of the last four years, but for some reason they're more interested in waistbands and other things. So, so you I were, think we'll, you we'll, were, you were a bridesmaid once again, is what you're telling me. But, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So this would probably be a good time to, to, to get to our last area for the day. And that's our mailbag, which uh, little Yeti's our mailman this week, Adam. So he's going to go through the mailbag and, and give us uh, some questions. See I don't know the, if you have any emails that you want to go through. See if too, the postman can deliver. I mean, let's do most, it. Of the, most of the mail has been late this, this year. I know that. So let's see if Jerry can deliver on time. I, I, and usually I, I, that would be Newman's job. But it's going to be little Yeti's today. 
I think, yeah, the, the, I think it's still a little bit slow, but, uh, you know, the first question comes in uh, from uh, your friends at uh, the Nova Hoops podcast, and uh, they, they want to know what our thoughts are on uh, uh, pregame dunking and, and whether that should, uh, that should also be modified. So, Adam, just so you know, there's a rule that says you can't dunk during pregame. Oh, well, I try not to dunk during pregame. No, I don't players. think I ever have dunked during pregame. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, and for, I didn't realize those were our friends over there at Nova Hoopcast. I mean, they're 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 ex coaches. I guess they're our friends. Those well, guys Kev, Kev, guys. Kevin's still a friend. Brian looks like he's getting back into it with the postgraduate program. So we'll, we'll have to evaluate that. Okay. Okay. Well, they're they're good dudes. Um, you know, they should be doing what we're doing with their faces. They should be on audio too, but. Um, they, they have, uh, they have upscaled theirs to video. No, I agree with them. Uh, I think it's a silly rule. Um, I know it's probably because they're afraid that the rims are going to come down, but I think pretty much everybody these days has breakaway rims. And if, and if somebody out there does put a send it in Jerome. And for those of you that, that don't know, go Google Jerome Lane at Pitt when he, when he shattered a basket with, um, uh, I don't remember where the game was at, but you can go Google that. Um, but I, I, I agree with those guys. Well, and, and just so the listeners know, and some coaches, if there are any coaches actually bother listening to us, um, that was also a finalist for the rule changes this year. And it was submitted by um, the rules interpreter in the state of Virginia, Joyce Sisson. So she's on board with that as well. All right, Little Yeti, what else we got? Uh, we have a we have a question from uh, our friend um, Scott up in Connecticut, and uh, you know Scott wanted to to know that with going with two person, uh, do you find that you have uh, less interaction with coaches, and you think that's a, a good thing, or it's going to hurt us in the fact that we have less interaction and and probably more things to uh, to talk about with them? Well, that's interesting because one of the things that we've done as part of our COVID protocols. In, in the two person is we've told our trails, excuse me, during free throws to go opposite. So they spend less time at the bench and, and interacting with, with people. But I found myself a couple of times last night, uh, just staying bench side so that I could actually communicate with the coach and not have to do it. You know, you don't even have to yell across the court because there's nobody there. You could actually talk across the court, but it's really not a conversation I want everybody here that's going on. So I do think that's a little bit of a challenge. I mean, I, I, what I found the most convenient to, to communicate with a coach during a three person game was the slot bench side. I was standing right in front of him or her and I can carry on a two, three, four, five second conversation and get my point across, listen to what he or she had to say without anybody even knowing we were having that conversation that that's gone, I think. Um, so yeah, I think we have to make a little bit of extra effort to communicate. Um, you know, one of my big four C's is common sense. And I think we need to impart a lot more common sense than we normally would given this year. And part of that's through communication. And so, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's more challenging. I think you're right, Scott. So I want to, I'm not going to add anything else to Adams, but I want to say congratulations to Grover, Scott Grove, who got married. Um, during this quarantine time uh, a month or two back. So we want to congratulate them. We're going to make sure we get one of those inadvertent whistle uh, podcast t-shirts um, out to them. Adam, we, do we have any of those? I don't know, but you should probably send one to his wife, not to him. And, you know, 
smart on his part to get married during the quarantine. It's a lot cheaper of a wedding. That's right. <laughs> and no honeymoon. Exactly. <laughs> what else you got there, little Eddie? Anything else? Uh, th there was uh, there's two other questions. One uh, relates to uh, the game still, and uh, it, it comes from uh, uh, Coach Hawes in uh, Potomac Falls, and it wanted uh, on the follow up from going from three person to two person. Uh, he wanted to know if the association would be making more use of video to help us uh, improve as the season goes on. Well, you know, it's funny because we've been with, with, with uh, a lot of our games, actually all the games, I think, in, in Loudoun County are up on the National Federation's, uh, uh, what's that site called? Again, NF NFHS Network. Uh, Network. Um, so all the games were broadcast live. What I want to do as we're watching these, and I didn't work uh, the week leading into Christmas during the first week or so of the season because we were kind of self-quarantining before we, we saw some family. But we need to, we need to mic up uh, and audio up the officials on the court so we can talk to them and they can talk to us while we're watching the games. That would be fantastic. Um, and, you know, you can, could you imagine, Jerry, if you're doing a, a Potomac Falls game and, and Coach Hawes says, hey, Jerry, what about this? And he goes, you know, I got Scott in my ear. He told me that, that wasn't a foul. That would be awesome. So yeah, we, we got our own Secaucus, right? What's that? <laughs> Instead of Secaucus, we have Vienna. That's right. I, we got to do that. I really do. I've, I, gotta, I just looked on Amazon. We got to find a sponsor for that. Maybe we can get the Whistle Shield uh, to, to, to sponsor us for that. We, we can we can institute the NBA one one uh, one challenge rule as well. You know we can give each of the you know give them a red get like in the NFL we can give them a red uh, handkerchief and they can throw it onto the court and you know well, we can't give them anything they can throw. <laughs> no, it has to be it has to be what the NBA uses, which is the green light. I'm very familiar with the setup and the system. I could probably get that implemented, just not in all all the 47 gyms we cover. No, just the ones that we work in. <laughs> we'll take it with us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and then the last the last question in the mailbag is, is probably one that Adam can uh, probably uh, address the best. Um, uh, Coach Costello uh, wants to know what, what's the best Italian restaurant in the Arlington area that he can uh, frequent uh, later in the season? Well, Kaz, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of good choices. Um, I'll have to think about that and get back to you on that one. Um, one of my favorites, I'm not sure it's there anymore. Um, so before I give that out, I, I need to make sure that it, that, that it still exists. It was over by the Boston Mall. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. It's not Little Lily in, in, in downtown Manhattan. So it's not as easy just walking into any old Italian restaurant and finding good food. Uh, but, you know, my heart's in Arthur Avenue up in the Bronx. And my only added add to that it was you know kind of to 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 the shout out for you know uh, for the Upper Bronx area is that you know you can always buy the little Rouse Italian uh, sauce and uh, and cook up some uh, some pasta at home when you're watching uh, Adam work his games uh, for you um, and so you can enjoy a nice dish of pasta and and, and watch Adam work. Uh, the the Rouse is good. I'll tell you what. There's a really good place, and I got to find the name of it. Um, it's it's near Hayfield High School. And they make outstanding meatballs, some of the best meatballs that I've had in Virginia. And I will find the name of that, and, and we'll have Scott uh, disseminate that in whatever way, shape, or form, inadvertent whistle, disseminate stuff. 
Well, we, we should really uh, reach out to Carlos at some point and ask him because he's right there. And obviously our, our good friend and retired official Mickey McDade lives over there. Well, Mickey definitely does. Are you suggesting that Carlos eats a lot of meatballs? No, I'm suggesting that he should buy us some meatballs and, oh, okay. and, yeah, that's fine. and have them for that's, us when we come. That's fair. Because, you know, if you were going to tell me that you think Carlos eats a lot of meatballs, that's that's kind of out of line. Well, I mean, you know, look, if anybody knows anything about meatballs, I'm the guy. Uh, well, <laughs> so you're meathead. so I, 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 I did get a uh, separate note the other day asking me what was the coolest thing I've seen so far since basketball season tipped off. And, uh, you know, one of the responses was, just the fact that we're out there and the kids can play and, and the, the appreciation for the officials for going above and beyond and putting themselves out there and being also at risk. Kids have a chance to play. And I, I thought that was great, but that wasn't the greatest thing I've seen so far. The greatest thing I've seen so far is Jerry Lynn's hair. If you haven't seen it, it, it it's almost like Wayne's worldish. I had, a, I had a conversation with, uh, with uh, Andrew Duggan, a former coach out at South Lakes the other day, and he said, you got to see Jerry Lynn's hair. And he's right. It is, it is it is just dynamic. Jerry, after the pandemic, don't cut it. We needed to grow it more and more because you're, you're starting to get this reputation now uh, as a hard rocker, and we want you to keep did he go? Did he go baby blue and red for the color? No, no. It's just it's jet black, but it's, it's down past his shirt, shirt line, and it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Wow. How about that? So, uh, look, it's our first show of the year. We're, 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 we'll try to do better next time, although that's probably not going to happen. Um, we, we do want to get Steve on in the future. We, we do want to get Steve on in the future. We do want to get back out to our other sponsor um, out, of, out, out in Vienna. At, at, uh, I'll let you go ahead, Adam, and, and, and talk about the inn. Oh, the Vienna Inn, fantastic place. They've got the outside inn set up with heaters and a tent. Can't go wrong talking about chili dogs and you want to go there for breakfast. Uh, outstanding stuff. If you go there for breakfast, tell Chris we said hello. Mention our name. She'll charge you double. Um, but it's, it's, an outstanding, it's an outstanding place here. Uh, you know, small business, locally owned, locally operated. Uh, it is a, a historic uh, establishment. So in closing the, the uh, show up, Little Yeti, I want to thank you for, for joining us this week and running the mailbag. We'll try to get Steve back in, maybe Irv or, or uh, Dickie V. We also want to uh, give a shout out to our, our brother in stripes who's uh, going through some tough health challenges right now and Andre Jones. Andre, we're, we're thinking about you, praying for you, and uh, we'll continue to, to do everything we can for you. Um, so uh, Little Yeti, you got any closing thoughts? Uh, it was just a pleasure to be part of this and uh, look forward to uh, seeing everybody at the Vienna Inn for the uh, next podcast. Perfect. So again, for Little Yeti, I am Scott Bach Hansen. And as always, Mr. Breck, you have the last words. Well, Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks for joining us again. And may this be the only inadvertent whistle in your day.
never felt so yeah. strong and I'm back, I'm feeling like there's nothing I can't try And if you with me, put yeah. your hands high